Production. Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams. Nothing but the truth. We're going to do part four of the series, Are We Under the Mark of the Beast? Uh, the beginning of the last show, I had a question about Macedonia, if it was part of the Grecian or the Greek Empire. Uh, there's a little article to address that. Rise and Fall, the Macedonian Empire uh, by Ian Worthington. Alexander the Great, 356 to 323 B.C., King of Macedonia, ruled an empire that stretched from Greece in the west to India, Uh, in the east and as far south as Egypt. Macedonian Empire, he forged, was the largest in antiquity until the Roman. But unlike the Romans, Alexander uh, established his vast empire in a mere decade, as well as fighting epic battles against enemies that far outnumbered his him in Persia and India and unrelenting guerrilla warfare in Afghanistan. This charismatic king who was worshipped as a god by some subjects and only 32 when he died brought Greek civilization to the east opening up east to west as never before making the Greeks realize they belonged to a far larger world than just the Mediterranean. So you can read more about that if you want on that. And that's on uh, blog Oops Ops. Looks like Ops blog. Um, O-U-P blog. Uh, blogops.com, Rise of the Macedonian Empire, slideshow. Anyways. So, yes, the Grecian Empire was also the Macedonian Empire. So, I learned something new. I'm learning a lot through this uh, uh, study of Are We Under the Mark of the Beast? Um, and as far as the headlines go, from uh, Yahoo.com goes, let's see what we can read here. Uh, let's see, the first one, uh, first article, Pope, U.S. trip already brewing controversy. CBS uh, News. Eight months before the Catholic leader even arrives on U.S. shores, his planned itinerary and uh, predicted rhetoric are already the topic of much debate. And then, of course, you got this Islamic State militants threaten to kill Japanese hostage. That's connection between Roman Catholicism and the Islam is. Rather, rather interesting in itself. 
and uh, makes you wonder if, uh, you know, if you're not going to accept um, the Pope, then we'll give you something worse. It's kind of like politics, huh? The uh, was it the the least of the two two evils is <laughs> <It's> your options, <laughs> and if you're not going to accept the Pope, then we'll give you something maybe worse. I don't know. And of course, you're going to hear a lot more from the Mormons uh, with the campaign wrapping up already for 2016. State Magazine faced with more and more press, the Mormon Church is once again. Uh, walling itself off. <clears throat> and it's got a picture of, um, what's his face? Um, the one that ran for last presidency. <laughs> I can't even think of his name right now. I'm kind of pretty tired. I want to try to get this, try to do this recording. Um, hope that it might, you know, spark some energy in me today. Um, MS is kind of rough today, so. Pope says Catholics do not need to breed like rabbits. AFP. Pope Francis uh, has said that good Catholics do not have to breed like rabbits, defending the church's stance on artificial contraceptions and uh, appealing uh, to the world's 1.2 billion Roman Catholics to practice responsible parenting. Well, that should make you think, huh? Uh, AFP, uh, Pope Francis leaves door open to Dalai Lama meeting. Pope Francis left the door open to a meeting with the Dalai Lama denying that he refused to receive the exiled Tibetan spiritual leader in December. Um, but, uh, of AFP, Philippine police arrest three for bomb joke during papal mass. Mm-hmm. Another thing about the Pope saying Catholics don't have to breed like rabbits. Makes you wonder about this Pope. What is his real agenda? Hoffeting Post, Jew tax, a warning to all. Last August, I wrote I wrote bluntly on Hoffeting Post about the Jew tax. That's what I call the portion of my synagogue dues, dues going to, for surveillance cameras, alarms, and security guards. Now, in the wake of the recent massacres in France, <clears throat> you could read more about that. And um, pretty much more all the same thing. Pope Francis says three children per family is about right. Catholics don't need to breed like rabbits. Another article about it. So should be interesting um, what the future holds for us. Anyway, so uh, let's go back to what we were reading. Uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, at the end of the show yesterday, I said something about the Middle East. It didn't quite make sense. And 
Sorry about that. So, you know. But anyways, back to this article, Reformation.org. And we're back in emperors uh, at Rome were hindering the coming of the Antichrist. St. Paul referred... <clears throat> Let's see. St. Paul referred obstructly obstructly <clears throat> uh, to something mysterious that was hindering or restraining evil and holding back the revelation of the man of sin, the removal of the capital of the Roman Empire by Constantine in 333 AD greatly facilitated the coming of the Antichrist, the eternal Rome would allow a rival capital city to exist is truly remarkable. The emperors were persecuting Christians, but their presence in Rome hindered the rise of the papacy. Christians prayed for the emperors and the stability of the empire, but they never dreamed of creating another rival capital. Beginning from his home in Britannia, Constantine conquered Gaul and northern Italy. Then he led siege on Rome. Emperor uh, Max, Max and Titus was drowned in the Tiber, and Constantine entered Rome on October 29th, 312 A.D., a Roman emperor, Maxentius, was drowned during the Battle of Melvinian of the Melvinian Bridge on October 28, 212, or is it 312? There seems to be a misprint here. Um, it must be 312, and it's been a of that, so, because the Battle of uh, the Melvinian Bridge outside Rome was 312. Um, then they got a painting here, uh, a glorified painting of the battle. So it's a lot more, and a lot more dramatic than it usually is. <clears throat> Constantine then built a new capital in Constantinople, and the Bishop of Rome assumed the purple and the title of Pontifex Maximus. This is the removal of the let or hindrance of the coming of the Antichrist. Uh, the Papal Roman Empire was born on January 313 when the Roman Senate recognized the roughneck Roman soldier Constantine as the first Christian emperor. Constantine knelt down all the gold from the pagan temples and used the money, that money, to bribe the Roman Senate into moving to his new capital in Constantinople. Um, and um, if you look at that, it's very... There's a line from Rome to Constantinople, and um, 
Yeah. Okay. After the removal of the capital, the Greeks continued to call themselves Romans, while the people in the western part of the empire became known as Latins. And we talked about yesterday about 666 in Greek, equating to Latinos, Latino, the Latin, Latin man. Um, pagan Rome persecuting the saints was no mystery to St. John, but here a professing Christian bishop as the head of the pagan Roman religion was a mystery and a wonder indeed. And I saw a woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And an angel said unto me, Wherefore didst, didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath seven heads and ten horns. Revelation 17, verses 6 or 7. The great apostasy, its fulfillment, is so clear that even a blind man could see it. The edict of, of Roman Emperor uh, Thaddeus, Thaddeus, I never can pronounce these names, Thaddeus, this was Theodosius, that's what it is, it's Theodosius, linked St. Peter with Rome. Emperor Theodosius, with the help of Bishop Ambrose of Milan, led the groundwork for the two main Latin church heresies. First, primacy of St. Peter. Second, civil power and government is subservient to the Latin popes and their clergy. St. Paul mentions that the mystery of iniquity linking Peter or St. Peter with Rome was working even during his lifetime. However, this heresy was uh, sub rosa or covert and did not manifest until the predicted time after the removal of the capital of Constantinople. Emperor Theodosius I was a redneck Roman soldier from Spain. Was he? I seem to keep saying there's a redneck. Must be some kind of Roman term in itself, huh? Uh, I don't know. That's a question. That's something to look into. Where do we get this term redneck? Well, actually, he's not saying red, roughneck, excuse me. Roughneck. He didn't say redneck, he said roughneck. Uh, uh, Pope. Damasius, or Damasus, or Damasus, the first, the first pope to be called Pontifus Maximus, was also from Spain. Hmm. So, Emperor Theodosius I, um, he lived from uh, 347 to 350, uh, 395, Emperor from three 
78 to 392. Uh, and Pope Damasus the first that's from 305 to 384. So they seem to have been leaving about the same amount of time that we did, do now. Pope, uh, he was Pope from 366 to 384. And 380, Theodosius issued an edict that everybody in the empire must believe that Pope Damasus the D-A-M-A-S-U-S, was the successor of St. Peter. Very soon after becoming emperor, Theodosius issued a decree that everybody in the empire must believe that Pope Damasius was the successor of St. Peter. On January 19, 19, uh, 379, Emperor uh, Gratian raised Theodosius to the rank of emperor and gave him charge of the eastern half of the empire. Uh, Theodosius was a general from Spain and a convinced partisan of Nicene orthodoxy. He did not wait long to show his colors. And February 22nd, 380, Theodosius issued an edict saying that anyone who did not follow the faith of the Pope Damasius of Rome and Peter of Alexander, Alexandria was a heretic. The Church of the Ancient Councils, page 104. Here is a copy of the edict. It is our desire that all the various nations which are subject to our clemency and moderation should continue in the profession of that religion which was delivered to the Romans by the divine apostle Peter as it has been preserved by faithful tradition and which is now professed by the Pontiff Damasus, and by Peter, Archbishop of Alexandria, a man of apostolic holiness, according to the apostolic teaching and doctrine of the gospel, let us believe the one deity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in equal majesty, majesty, and in Holy Trinity. We authorize the followers of this law to assume the title of Catholic Christians. But as for others, since our, since in our judgment they are foolish madmen, we decree that they shall be branded with the ignominious name of heretic and shall be presumed to give their uh, give their convectuals the name of the church. They will suffer in the first place 
the chastisement of the divine condemnation, and in the second, the punishment which our authority in accordance with the will of heaven shall decide to inflict. Theodosian Code, Book 16, Catholic, The Catholic Faith. <clears throat> and 381, Theodosius persuaded, uh, presided over the Council of Constantinople. The 150 bishops in attendance refused to acknowledge his Peter and Rome edict and ruled that old Rome had precedent only because it was the imperial city. As for the bishop of Constantinople, let him have the prerogatives of honor after the bishop of Rome, seeing that this city is the new Rome, the Council of Constantinople. What would a roughneck Roman soldier like Theodosius possibly know about the Bible and theology. Only thing that Pope Demasus had in common with St. Peter was that St. Peter, as the apostle of the circumcision, the Jews, definitely wore a beard. This persecuting edict was the harbinger of the dreaded Spanish Inquisition. And 388, Theodosius invaded Italy to get rid of a rival emperor named Magnus Maximus. After defeating his rival, Theodosius ruled the empire from Milan and was there that he met his spiritual advisor, Ambrose, the Bishop of Milan. It is, It was now that Theodosius made the acquaintance of Bishop Ambrose of Milan, and thus began a complex, turbulent, but also deeply personal relationship between two men that was to have profoundly important consequences. During the brief war, Ambrose had been in no danger, for the ultra-pious Catholic Maximus would hardly have harmed the bishop of his capital, but the fact that he did not flee enhanced his prestige. Indeed, he himself considered his moral authority to be second to none. He saw himself as answerable only to God, and thus his duty was to dictate to the conscience, hence the religious policy of the emperor, by whatever means served this higher end. <clears throat> and that's uh, Theodosius, the empire at bay, page Six, oh, Ambrose, the Bishop of Milan, was a powerful and influential teacher of the Latin Church. In 390, Theodosius gave the order 
of a horrible massacre of the city of Salonica. Ambrose threatened him with excommunication, and as a result, he had to do penance and grovel at the feet of the bishop. <clears throat> In the year 390, a star charioter was arrested for the crime of homosexual rape. This took him out of the race, and as a result, the people rioted and many were killed. Uh, Theodosius' answer was to send his soldiers. About 7,000 people were massacred. Not surprisingly, the immediate reaction of Theodosius was of volcanic anger. But this time, unlike Antioch and his collar, he threw aside any inquiry or trial and immediately set secret orders to the new Gothic garrison at Salonica for a terrible uh, solitary bloodletting of the rebellious rabble. Accordingly, on a certain day when the people once again thronged excitedly in the hippodrome for the races, at a single at a signal, the gates were barred. Without pity, uh, deaf to the screams and entries of the people, or even inflamed by them, the troops proceeded for several hours to to butcher the spectators indiscriminately. According according to Theodore. Theoderet, no. 7,000 people, both sexes, all ages, were slaughtered. Whatever the numbers, no Roman city had experienced anything like this in living memory. It was something only brutal conquerors did to captured enemy cities. And it put the emperor's Gothic troops in exactly that light. The moral shock throughout the emperor was, if anything, accentuated by the general reputation of Theodosius had for mercy and humanity. And that's against Theodosius, the emperor at bay, page 68. Ambrose threatened him with excommunication and guilt-written he did uh, obedience at the feet at the feet of the bishop. Ambrose had a shrewd psychological knowledge of Theodosius and his performance was subtle and masterly. Unlike his earlier bludgeon tactics from the pulpit, now, Theodosius was tormented not just by moral guilt, but by a 
the very real fear of eternal damnation. Thus it was that an astonished people beheld an extraordinary spectacle as the ever-victorious, sacred, eternal Augustus, Lord of the world, put aside his gorgeous imperial regalia and for several months wept and groaned as a humble, prostrate penitent in the cathedral of Milan. It was all the more extraordinary in its stark public contrast between the despotic and universal power of the emperor and the groveling abasement of the same power before the priests. That's Theodosius, uh, the Empire uh, at Bay, page 69. Under instruction uh, from Ambrose, Theodosius closed the pagan Olympic Games and the altar of victory was removed from the Senate at Rome. There were many firsts with Theodosius. He was the first to issue a Peter in Rome edict, the first to be threatened with excommunication, and the first to perform public penance before a member of the Latin clergy. Uh, Emperor Theodosius II codified the Roman law. Emperor Theodosius codified the Roman laws going back to the time of Emperor Constantine. In 438, Emperor Theodosius II codified all Roman laws. The persecuting edict of Theodosius I was was included in his uh, Theodosian Code, Book 16. This was during the reign of, of Pope Sixtus III. Okay, according to the Book of Revelations, the Antichrist's supremacy was to last 1,260 years. Antichrist's supremacy was to last, like it says, 1,260 years. St. John mentions the mysterious period that the Antichrist would make war with the saints and overcome them. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindred tongues and nations. Revelations 13.7 And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy 1,203 school days, clothed in sackcloth. <clears throat> all the reformers applied this period of time to papal pregnancy using the day equals a year principle found throughout the Holy Bible. And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years and bear your whoredoms until, you uh, until your carcasses 
be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which you search the land, even forty days, each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities, even forty years. Numbers 14, verse 33 to 34. The famous prophecy of the 70th week, or 490 years, from Cyrus to Christ, are determined by the same day equals a year principle. Seventy weeks, 490 years, are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make a reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring an everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Daniel 9.24 Papacy Papacy was a gradual development. It began with the change of cities from Rome to Constantinople. And it became a temporal power with the overthrow of the Vandals and Ostrogoths by General Belisarius and the Lombards by King Pippin. Four great prophetic time periods. Beginning. Uh, so his first one was 313, lasted 1,260 years to 1573. Then the next one was 330, excuse me, 533, that lasted 1,260 years to 1793. And there was the Next period, third, was from 606 A.D., lasted 1,260 years to 1866. And then the fourth one started in 755 A.D. It lasted 1,260 years to the present day or year of 2015. Now, I don't know how legit any of this is. I'm simply just reading this per this this uh, article <laughs> and, uh, for food for thought, you know, I'm not trying to cause any kind of confusion. I'm simply trying to understand where actually this one thousand two hundred sixty year period really fits in history. And of course we've mentioned now, I think in every show so far about 1798, and how many folks feel, especially out of the Seventh-day Adventist movement, that uh, that was the, the end of the, the papal reign, if you will, that 1,260 year. And maybe it is, I don't know. The first period began at the conquest of Rome by. Constantine in 313, official beginning of the Papal Roman Empire, can be dated to 313 A.D. at the Battle uh, of Melvinia. I never can say this. The Melvinian, Melvian, excuse me, the Melvian Bridge. The young Emperor Max, 
Exodus left the safety of Rome and was drowned in the Tiber. Okay. Constantine had his spies in Rome and they urged Max Antius to leave the safety of the city and fight outside the walls. This was a disaster for Max Antius and he was drowned in Tiberia. Constantine's uh, Constantine's uh, panegyrics compared Constantine to Moses and Max Exodus as Pharaoh who was drowned in the Red Sea. The first period ended with the defeat of the Invincible Armada. The first great defeat for Papal Rome came with the sinking of the Invincible Armada in 1588. It was a defining moment in the battle between Rome and the Reformation. This defeat eventually led to the planting of the new covenant Israel in the new world wilderness. <clears throat> then, of course, Queen Elizabeth is part of all that. And the defeat for, for of the Invincible Armada prepared the way. Okay, we got, we got that. Uh, British colonies and New Israel eventually became the United States. Well, I don't know if that's New Israel, but I know uh, a lot of folks like to like the Mormons, and others like to say the United States is New Israel. I'll let you decide that one. I don't necessarily buy into it myself. Second period began at the time of the Emperor Justine in 533. It was the next milestone in the rise of Papal Rome with the publication of the Justinian Code. Uh, the Justinian Code was published, which comprised of the Compilation, compilation of all the laws of the Roman Empire going back to the time of Emperor Hadrian. This was during the reign of Pope John II. Before Theodosius and Justine, all Christians were called Catholics or universal. Didn't know that one. I don't know if that's true. Uh, Theodosius and Justine restricted the term to those who followed this new mystery of iniquity or St. Peter of Rome religion. Justinian Code, Book 1. Justinian Code was a compilation of the laws of the Roman Empire going back to the time of Emperor Hadrian, uh, 117 to 138. They included the enactments 
of the emperors Theodosius I and Theodosius II. We desire that all people subject to our benign empire shall live under the same religion that the divine Peter, the apostle, gave to the Romans and which is said religion declares was introduced by him and which it is well known that the pontiff Damascus, 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 uh, and Peter and Bishop of Alexandria, a man of apostolic sanctity, embraced, that is to say, in accordance with the rules of the apostolic discipline and the evangelical doctrine, we should believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, consisting of a single deity, endowed with the uh, equal majesty, united in the Holy Trinity, we order all those who follow this law to assume the name of Catholic Christians, considering others to as um, deemed and insane, or demented and insane, excuse me. <laughs> we order that they shall bear the infamy of heresy. And when the divine vengeance which they merit has begun then appeased, they shall afterwards be punished in accordance with our resentment, which we have acquired from the judgment of heaven. The second period of the papal supremacy in the Western Europe ended at the time of the French Revolution. The era of the French Revolution began in 17. 89 and lasted until 1799. And 1797, French General Berthier marched this was the beginning of the downfall of the papal supremacy. On August 29, 1799, Pope Pius VI died as a prisoner of the French in the city of Valence. The third period began at the time of Emperor Focus, 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 P H O C A S, and 606. The next starting time for the 1260 year, uh, when Emperor Focus declared the Pope universal bishop. Uh, and 606, the emperor issued a decree that the see, S-E-E, of blessed Peter, the apostle, should be the head of all the churches, and that the title of universal bishop belonged exclusively to Pope Benefice, 
Pope Boniface and his successors. Uh, it shows a coin of uh, Emperor Bacchus reigned from 602 to 610 and Pope Boniface the third Pope from 606 to 607. Here is a quote from Emperor Focus, or Focus, from the Catholic Encyclopedia. After his elevation to the See of Rome, that's S-E-E of Rome, Boniface obtained a decree from Focus against Cyriacus, uh, the Bishop of Constantinople, by which it was ordained that the see of the Blessed Peter or the Apostle should be the head of all the churches, and that the title Universal Bishop belonged exclusively to the Bishop of Rome an acknowledgment somewhat similar to what to that made by Justinian 80 years before. Uh, at Rome, Boniface held a council attended by 72 bishops and all the Roman clergy, wherein he enacted a decree forbidding anyone under pain of excommunication during the lifetime of a pope or of a bishop to treat of or discuss the appointment of his successor, setting forth that no steps were to be taken to provide for a successor until three days after the burial of the deceased. Catholic Encyclopedia article, Pope Boniface because Constantinople was now New Rome, the Patriarch of Constantinople saw himself as having as much right to be styled universal bishop as the Bishop of Rome. This immediately showed sowed the seeds of conflict between East and West. The third period ended in 1870. Austria and the Papal States were the main obstacles to Italian unity. In 1866, Austria was defeated by Prussia during the Austro-Prussian War. And this led to the liberation of Rome only four years later. The Battle of Sadua took place on July 1866 between Austria and Prussia. The Prussians used many innovations learned during the U.S. Civil War to achieve an astonishing victory. France saw Prussia as an upstart this led to the Franco-Prussian War four years later. (sighs) 
then it's, uh, let's see. Just like the Franco-Prussian War, nobody expected the Prussians to achieve such an astonishing victory. War followed swiftly with Bismarck repudiating the authority of the German Confederation on the 14th of June and Prussian troops crossing the borders on the smaller German states two days later. So Napoleon III envisioned a long war which France would finally settle by armed mediation. Military experts in Paris and London, as well as Vienna, expected the Austrian victory before autumn. Most of the commentators on the Book of Revelation expect the end of the papacy expected the end of the papacy in eighteen sixty six to be off by just four years as miraculous indeed. On september twentieth, eighteen seventy, Italian general Raphael uh, Cadora led the Italian army into Rome. Pope Pius IX was the last Pope King of the city of Rome. Most of the commentators of the of the Book of, Re- of Revelations predicted downfall of the, of the papacy in 1866. Most of the great scholars who studied the Bible for obviously predicted the fall of the temporal power in 1866. One of the most Prolific writers on Bible prophecy was Edward B. Eliot from 1793 to 1875, who wrote a four-volume commentary in the book of Revelations entitled Horae Apocalyptiae, Apocalyptica, that's what it is, Horae Apocalyptica, or A, the hour of the apocalypse, my apologies. Uh, I get so tongue-tied all the time. It's getting worse. His uh, book was first published in 1844 and went through five editions. It was the standard work on Bible prophecy for much of the 19th century. Eliot predicted the end of the papacy in 1866. Uh, Let's see, I guess this is what he says to say in the Horae Apocalypticae, volume 3. And the arrangement of the great calendar of the prophecy and the adjustment of our own position on it, whether near to the final end or less near, it is evident to the chronological predictions, I mean those which involve uh, chronological periods must needs demand our most particular attention. First and foremost, and the importance is this memorable prophecy of 1,260 years of the beast or antichrist six times repeated in the apocalyptic vision under one or other varieties of formula and three in Daniel. This measures the beast's reign 
and in recognized supremacy over the Roman Empire during its last divided and apostatized state, or rather the reign of the beast's last head. Antichrist, we have seen that with a reflected light, that grand grand illustrative event of our later day, the French Revolution, primarily an imperfect commencement and primary and imperfect end of the period may be deemed to have been fixed on strong probable evidence to about the years A.D. 533 and 1793, respectively, and just 1,260 years intervals. The one of the epic of Justine's decree and code which was a vital imperial recognition of the Pope's supremacy and his then-assumed character of Christ's vicar or Antichrist, the other that the French revolutionary outbreak and new legal code which gave to the Pope's anti-Christian supremacy the power a deadly blow through Western Christendom. At the same time, that the full and complete commencement appeared on strong and peculiar historic evidence. Specifically, that then Resin 10 um, diamond, diademed Romeo, Romano Gothic papal horns to have about a synchronized to have about synchronized with the epic of focus or focus decree AD six oh six and the corresponding epic of the end of the year eighteen sixty six. We also saw more lately that the last of the prophecies Daniels pended to what seemed to have to be the same period of 1,260 years, yet a further addition of 30 and 45 years, or conjointly 75 years, as if still to intervene before the time of the blessedness. Hence the very important question whether these additional years are to be measured from the epic of primary a perfect ending about A.D. 1793 or from that a full and perfect ending uh, in 1866. Even the Pope was alarmed at the beginning of 1866 because Horae Apocalypte was a best throughout Europe. I had the honor of an audience with the Pope this morning and of offering His Holiness my best wishes for the new year. 
the sovereign pontiff who received me with the utmost kindness and benevolence said he needed good wishes if it were true as people said that the year 1866 was to be fraught with danger for the papacy. But he placed his trust in God and did not fear the evil forebodings of men. Meanwhile, the Romans were very gay (laughs) and there were more balls, concerts, and uh, operas than ever, which was not the case in the other capitals of Europe where everyone felt the insecurity of all things produced by the revolutionary tendencies of the age. The only major geopolitical event in 1866 was the defeat of Austria by Prussia in the Battle of Sadoa. When the year passed without event at the Vatican, they relaxed and thought the worst was over. The fourth, the fourth, uh, the Ford period. <laughs> it says Ford, F R D. I think it's the fourth period began with the time of King uh, Petin, that's P E P I N, of the Franks. The third area of the rise era of the rise of the papacy began in I think that might be a misprint too third was read about third I think this the fourth era of the rise of the papacy began in 755 this was the official beginning of the temporal power of the popes uh, temporal powers of the papal pontiffs began in 755 with the infamous airmail letter from St. Peter to King Pippin of the Franks commanding him to save Rome from the Lombards. Many of the commentators of the book of Revelation, such as Adam Clark and Baptist pastors John Dowling, predicted that 2015 would be a milestone in the demise of the papacy. Here is a quote from his book, written in 1844. If according to Adam Clark, in 755, when the temporal sovereignty of the popes was firmly established, then they will end... In 175 years, which makes no sense, this this sentence makes absolutely no sense. But if, according to Adam Clark, in 755, when the temporal sovereignty of the popes was firmly established, then they will end in 175 years or 2015. Doling, the exposition of the prophecies. One, page 
Well, I can tell you right now that that doesn't make much sense at all because 175 from um, 1750 or 755 doesn't even come close to 2015. That must be a misprint. Uh, based on this prediction, the time is running out for the papal dynasty. Uh-huh. So, I don't know, let's look into this. Let's go look at this, at the exposition of the prophecies. Person. Oh, we're going to have to go through this whole book to get to find 191. Uh, anyways, there's some kind of misprint there. I don't know. I have no idea. And that, based on that, is not worth putting too much faith in. But who knows? Maybe something will happen this year. I'll have to do some more research on that one and see what, if we can tie that in somehow. The word ante is used in the Greek New Testament, means substitute or surrogate. In modern parlances, it means identity theft. <laughs> of course, someone who steals another person's identity and pretends to be that person is obviously an enemy of that person. In Strong's Concordance, Concordance, anti means substitute in the room of instead of. Many times in history, the papacy of the papacy, there have been anti popes. These anti popes were not atheists who sought to abolish the papacy, but men who were rivals of then reigning popes claimed that they were the legitimate pontiff. All the popes claimed to be God Almighty on earth. Okay, Pope Leo the Thirteenth claimed to be God Almighty on earth, but since we hold upon this earth the place of God Almighty, who will have all men to be saved and come to to the knowledge of the truth and know that our advanced age and bitterness of anxious cares urge us towards the end of common to every mortal. We feel drawn to follow the example of our Redeemer and Master, Jesus Christ, who went about the to return to heaven implored of God his Father the earnest prayer that his disciples and followers should be of one mind one heart the great uh, encyclopedial letters of the Pope Leo the 13th in actuality all popes have claimed to be almighty God on earth The Pope's Laws is called Codex Juris Canonici. 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 
Anyways, let's see if we really want to read that. So, anyways, I'm very uh, dissatisfied with that. About uh, 2015, so we'll look more into that. As anybody else who listens to this should be a little dissatisfied too. But um you know, what is is there something really going on here or is it just speculation? Um you see what that's at. I wonder if that's just even made up the fourth period thing. So that's interesting to look into with that. Um, well, I guess it proves one point. There's many different uh, opinions and quote unquote interpretations of revelations uh, of this 1,260 year period. Um, you know, know, I could go into this other thing, too, here about the origins and history of the number 666. And um, this article argues that the number 666 comes directly from the worship practices of the city of Babylon about the time of the Bible prophet Daniel. The people of Babylon worshiped gods that were associated with the sun, moon, and visible planets of our solar system and certain of the stars involved in the practice of astrology. The Babylonians were the principal developers of astrology, much of which became the foundation of astrology as we see and practice by some of the modern times. You might find this web page of interest as it explains some of the thoughts behind astrology. Not all uh, of it is accurate. Wikipedia has an interesting article about Babylonian astrology. For a list of ba- uh, um, astrological symbols, many of which you probably will recognize as having seen them in the past, blah, blah, blah. So we can talk more about that. But I am now stumped on this show because now i got something else. This 2015, where did they get this number? Is it just some more wackiness? Would you be surprised if it was? I wouldn't be. <laughs> Seems to always be the case. Um, yeah, and even we have a little bit here too of a reality blog. Um, Clint Richardson, I believe, is his name, and he has been on many shows on the alternative media. Um, global Social Security System. Did you know? that over 130 to, and I'm going to add up to 170, maybe even more countries in the world now have Social Security insurance program. Did you know that Social Security is run and regulated by the United Nations and its world banks? 
Have you ever heard of the International Social Security Association, ISSA? Did you know the United States Social Security Administration has international treaties agreements through the United Nations with other countries and their social security system? Well, it is all true, but before we get into that, let's make sure that we understand just what the social, social program really means. Being a United States citizen with a social security number, it is so much more than you might think. Social Security, Mark of the Beast. Mark of the Beast is upon all American citizens. Citizens, The federal corporation named the United States is that beast. The Mark of the Beast is that number. One of the greatest misconceptions in Bible prophecy is that the that the thing referred to in the Bible as the Antichrist and so many other fictional tales about said of the Antichrist will someday be incarnated into a single living entity, a beast in the guise of a human that will fool the people of the earth into loving and following the beast into the virtual hell enslavement on earth. But I'm here to provide you with alternative and more realistic view. I'm here to say that the biblical Antichrist is already upon us. Yes, as we've been talking about, that would be the papacy, right? But he probably won't agree with this. But we'll go with it anyways. It is not a single person, but a government run by and consented to by the people that, uh, as we talked about with the papacy, it has a temporal and spiritual power. It is literally you know, uh, sectoral, sectoral, sectarian or sectoral government and a religious entity. And uh, well, we mentioned this, I don't know. It is not a living, breathing human being or demon but is instead all humans via their consent to it. Um, it is not a devil reincarnated, but is in fact an incarnated body of legal codes that has created the mark of the beast through the people's ignorance of the law that they create. I'm here to say that it is not God that will save us from the Antichrist, but only our collective non-consent through non-participation in this legal in this system that will save us from ourselves. If it is true that God gave man the gift and the curse of having free will, then it must also be true that God only helps those help themselves. Mm. That's arguable in itself right there, too. But, you know, we're talking about a guy that I... If I'm not mistaken, if I read correct, Yeah, he does, he's just, he quotes something straight out of uh, the Book of Mormon. This should be interesting. So, Did you know this? I didn't know. I had no idea that it was some kind of ties with the Mormon church or something. I had no idea. 
What is the mark of the beast? In Title 42 of the U.S. Code, entitled The Public Health and Welfare, we can literally find the root of this evil mark from the beast called Social Security. Though Title 42 is not uh, statutory law, but is actually prima facie law, consent of the governed required, the implementation of legal code is exactly what we'd expect from the beast as a federal United States corporation. So let's have a look at Section 666 of the U.S. Title 42, Public Health and Welfare. Section 666 of the Social Security Act requires every state as a federal insular possession to obtain a person number that is attached to the name of the person before such things as a license to work, drive, marry, or any other state services, privileges, not rights, are granted, of which now include federal grants and annulments to the states as revenue sharing for promotion of this enslavement by the number. In other words, a natural-born citizen of the United States of America cannot work in a federal United States jurisdictional territory, the federal United States, without being marked by the Social Security number, the number of the beast. For those of you that don't understand the difference between the two governments and that as citizens you are required to obey both, please read the Supreme Court's opinion of this fact. And it is here. The people of the United States of America, excuse me, the people of the United States residents within any state are subject to two governments. One state, the other national. But there need be no conflict between the two. The power which one possesses, the other does not. They are established for different purposes and have separate jurisdictions. Together they make one whole and and furnish the people of the United States with a complete government, ample for the protection of all their rights, brackets privileges, at home and abroad. True, it may sometimes happen that a person is amendable to both jurisdictions for one or the same act. It is a natural consequence of a citizenship which which owns allegiance to two sovereignties and claims protection from both. Citizens cannot complain because he has voluntarily submitted himself to such a form of government. The Supreme Court, uh, 92 U.S. Uh, 551, U.S. versus uh, like Shank. And then for some strange reason, he quotes this. This is Nephi 1, excuse me, Nephi chapter 3, verse 8. This is out of the Book of Mormon. And behold, I swear unto you, 
If ye will do this with an oath, ye shall not be be destroyed. But if ye will not do this, I swear unto you with an oath that on the morrow month I will command that my army shall come down against you and they shall not stay their hands and shall spare not, but shall slay you and shall let you fall the sword upon you even until ye shall become extinct. <clears throat> well, what does the Bible, the Bible say about those? Oh, yeah. Well, I chose to not consent to the mark, the social security number, the beast has made it virtually impossible to work, drive, spend money, and live legally without this number within the corporate, corporate world of the jurisdiction of the beast. And as a corporation of any kind, including that of being a person with a number, that business must comply with now-established state and federal laws to continue the legally to legally do incorporated business in the state, which is within the federal district of the federal U.S. United States, aka the Beast, that is controlled by the Jesuits, that is controlled by the Vatican, and is part of the Roman Empire. But he didn't put that part in there, but I'm telling you about. And which is really weird is that this guy, quote, Nephi, either he, he must be a Mormon, and I had no idea that he was one. Uh, Clint Richardson. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I had no idea that would be interesting. In, in short, the ability to do, to not consent to this mark is nullified by the beast through the legal code that makes those without the number unable to support themselves or work without the mark. <clears throat> Section 666 of Title 42 clearly lays out this authority and jurisdiction. Though the majority of the code is referring to parental suits of, of child support, it is important to understand that this power can be applied to anyone through such tools as due process and other abusive authorities. To understand the true significance of Section 666, one must understand that through the due process of the Bar Association of the Court Systems, it is the opinion of all courts, municipal or federal district, that you do not own your children alone and that your children are literally owned by the beast, the state. So that there is no doubt of this being true. Please review my previous article here. Do you own your children? And that will be something interesting to go into. And I think I'll stop here for this this part, part four of Are We Under the Mark of the Beast? I'm going to look more into this supposedly a prophetic date of 2015. 
and see if I can find anything anywhere about that. And then the next time I do an episode of this, or uh, a part, part five, I guess, episode part five, and we'll do, we'll do some more about this, uh, what, uh, I guess, Clint, Clint is Mormon. I had no idea. He's never expressed, I never heard him express that on any of his interviews. Um, but that, you know, there we go, you know. Another another layer of the beast system. We've got religion going on here. we got the, the governments of the world uh, and the legal system. I mean, the layers of the, the beast system that we're under, the market of beast is profound. So, And then I think um, maybe we'll also start looking at the other idea or um, argument that the mark and, uh, of the beast and the Sabbath and how these blue laws and um, do they have any kind of connection? Um, is it either or or is it both? Um Well, according to the Roman Catholics and uh, Catholic law record, uh, they say, "quote Sunday is our mark of authority. The Church is above the Bible, and this transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that fact." Of course, the chance of the from Sabbath to Sunday was her act. The act is a mark of her ecclesiastical power and authority. In religious matters, and it says uh, signed by uh, H. F. Thomas, Chancellor of the Cardinal Gibbons, in a letter dated November 11, 1895. And the other quote was uh, Catholic Record of London, Ontario, September 1, 1923. And you find many of those claims coming straight out of the Roman Catholic Church. And so we see this connection between the Church, the Catholic Church, the Roman Empire, the legal system, um, and, and, and yeah, so we'll just keep on looking and exploring and We'll make up our our minds as we go along, you know. I don't know. I certainly don't want to make up anybody's mind. That's for sure when it comes to this. I just want to try to present as much information about the topic as I can. Hopefully I can learn and grow from this process as much as somebody who might be listening to me. And, um, uh, you know, between me stumbling and bumbling, thanks to my MS and everything, and the... and the topic is not going to, you know, it's not for most people. Most people won't want to listen to me, let alone learn about this stuff. So I understand that. So, But I feel it's an important enough issue to share it with, even if it's with one person. So, um, Okay, so I guess a homework. i got to figure out where 2015 shows up in prophecy. 
from these reformers. So, anyways, with that, everyone have a good day. Goodbye. God bless.